This episode is brought to you by Uvo Kinesio Tape. Y-U-V-O Kinesio Tape. Kinesio Tape is great if you're sore, banged up, or just kind of lazy. It's great to recover from your gym session, uh, those amateur sports sessions you guys are all playing in. Uh, look like a pro athlete with Uvo Kinesio Tape. Find it today at eBay's One Store. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is your captain, Ricky Ricardo. All right, everybody, welcome to a new edition of the Swift Kicks podcast. We're entering the second week of the British Premier League. Last weekend, everything started off with a bang. It was all great games. Glad to have it back on the TV. I'm Alex Hooper. Ben Green is my co-host. Ben, anything stand out to you right away? No, the Premier League is back, and that is like taking a shower after a long, hot, sticky day. Right, exactly. Well, this weekend, we've also got the Spanish League starting up. And, you know, last weekend, we had a kind of like a little teaser with Kiko about... Uh, the season coming up and everything that's going to be going on. He joins us now, too. He's going to give us a little another update as we head into that weekend. Uh, Kiko, how's it going? You got everything uh, ready and set up to watch all the new games this weekend? Oh, hell yeah, boys. I even went out and got myself a 65-inch TV. I'm ready wow. to go. Nice. That's commitment. I was going to say, I think the real SBL kicked off a week and a half ago. I mean, Hibernia brought it to Motherwell 3-0. The Scots are really bringing That's the real SPL. I mean, ah, we can talk a little God. bit about La Liga, but SPL for life. No, the real SPL. Get out of here with that crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, spe- speaking of whatever you want to call it, uh, we had a couple games early on. Might be an indication of how the season's going to go. We had Atletico Madrid beating Real in the UEFA Super Cup. Do you think that's any indication of how things are going to be? Uh, a little bit. I just think the team needs to adjust a little more with Cristiano leaving. As right. you can see, they're still trying to figure out their formations, their tactics. And um, again, like I mentioned last week, their big thing was defense. Just silly mistakes that cost us. Yeah. And then uh, you also had Messi out there. He just sort of giving the message to the fans, telling them exactly what they want, saying, you know, we're, we kind of got stung in the Champions League last year, but he's going to promise to bring, do everything he can to bring that cup back to the new camp. Uh, do you think they can do that? I mean, and I think I saw a stat. It was like in the last 10 Champions League, uh, seven out of the last 10 have been from Spanish teams, pretty much either Barcelona or Real Madrid. So, I mean, the stats are in their favor. Yeah, if I'm honest, it's possible, obviously, with the talent they have on paper, Barcelona. But, you know, Messi with his empty promises, you don't know what's going to happen. You know, right. he promised to do everything for the World Cup, the Copa America, and nothing happened. Right. right. I don't believe him because he's got to go through my boys, Madrid. <laughs> what are the links between Pogba and Barcelona? Um, I think it's trash, to be honest. Yeah. Why do they need another midfielder? Like, how many how many midfielders can they add on to that? <laughs> right. Like, seriously. <laughs> can I just say, too, that Ben, like three episodes ago, said we're not going to talk about transfer rumors, and here we are talking about the biggest <laughs> transfer rumor of the European transfer market. <laughs> That's because it affects Man U. That's why they're bringing it up. No, yeah. this one's more to get under your skin, Kiko, with uh, Barcelona, because Barcelona will just buy players for the sake of buying players. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. There's I don't no think way. so either. No. no. That's a waste of money. Absolutely. Um, I did see that Diego Simeone, Atletico Madrid's um, coach, is, uh, you know, was Courtois' old coach, and is pretty pumped to see Courtois back in the in La Liga. But he's, he's not really worried. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Which is kind of a telling sign of, like, 
well, why why did Real Madrid go after this keeper? Is he that good? And, you know, only time will change. But really, from a rivalry standpoint, you expect a, a coach to have a bit more of a stance on it than, hey, welcome back. You know what I mean? That's right. kinda, that's an interesting one for me, too. What's um, You guys see that the Champions League kicked off this week? Yeah, it's all the, like, I, I like to describe it as the, if you're playing FIFA and you close your eyes and you try and search for a random team because you're bored of playing with like Bayern Munich <laughs> or something. And it's like, it's all these teams that just, they don't matter. That's exactly. <laughs> yeah. The, the S uh, yeah, the SPL went there to die. Celtic lost and they're the only Scottish representation. <laughs> That's why they're the fake SPL then. <laughs> Whoa. Shots fired. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm on team Spain here. Uh, <laughs> looking ahead to this weekend, though, it looks like uh, Atletico really kind of has the, the hardest game out of all the, the top three or four teams, if you will. They got Atletico versus Valencia. Uh, that's actually happening Monday. Um, Real and Barcelona kind of have some, some bottom feeder teams out the gates. Um, Villarreal, Real Sociedad, do you expect any any upsets out of those, Kiko? Um, you know, I, the one I can see is the uh, Atletico Madrid game. Hmm. Because Valencia is one of the dark horses I had this league, and they're they're coming off a couple draws, but I think they're going to give it to them in to uh, Atletico de Madrid. Yeah, it's definitely possible. They, you know, have a good offense. They have a good set. And last year they gave everyone a run for their money. So I want to see how they open up the season. I really do. Yeah, yeah, that'll be interesting. Uh, I think it really will be interesting to see how Atletico can kind of push those top two teams, Barcelona and Real Madrid again. I think uh, keeping uh, Griezmann was a really good good thing for them. Um, and they've, they've had like a, a solid team for the past couple of years. They've got the manager still. Um, and I think they'll be really looking at Real Madrid, you know, with a lot of uncertainty about the coach and the players and stuff. Uh, see if they can get into a second, maybe even push for first place. Yeah, I mean, uh, also with like Atletico today playing Madrid, there's just there's not that fear anymore of Madrid with Cristiano being gone. I just don't feel like teams are coming in like scared anymore. Right. When you have a player like Ronaldo on the field, like. Right. I mean, they like we said last week, like they still got Bale, but uh, I think I don't I don't, th- I don't think he brings the same sort of fear, like you said, that like a team right. visiting doesn't fear Bale as much as maybe they should. Right. Like teams tactically prepare specifically for Ronaldo. And, right, exactly. And it, and it will, you know, you can take advantage of that if you're in Madrid, and now you just don't have that factor anymore. Yep. In the same sense, though, I think that takes a huge, huge weight off of the whole team. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it, you know, instead of it being about that one guy, it's now, like, the team effort. It's not right. like, right, get Ronaldo the ball. I think you're going to see a freer-flowing team. I agree. Yeah, it will be interesting to see sort of the, the dynamics of the team to see how they, if they open up a little more, because, you know, as much as another team coming in worrying about Ronaldo, now that, that his team, you know, doesn't have to worry about always feeding him the ball and maybe, you know, some would say feeding his ego and like making sure that he's okay as much as, you know, it being a whole team thing. Right. No, I completely agree with that. That's going to be an interesting season. Uh, so I hope you enjoy your 65 inch tv and i hope you enjoy the real svl i think that's what we've got out of this whole conversation today <laughs> so um yes, sir. <laughs> we'll uh we'll check in with you next week see how things are going uh but until then we'll talk to you soon all always right, a pleasure kiko it, take it easy bud all right take it easy boys
All right, guys, that was Kiko. That was a great conversation. Like I said, the Spanish Premier or Spanish Premier League, the <laughs> La Liga is going <laughs> to La Liga is going to be starting this weekend. Uh, let's get back to the Premier League, though. Ben, like I said, great to have it back on the TV. Uh, it was a little weird. It does feel like it came up really quickly, but we've we've moved through that now. We've got the first week down. Any surprises for you? Um. Kinda. Leicester City looked a little bit better than I anticipated. Yeah. And I think the biggest upset for the weekend was Crystal Palace over Fulham. I'm never really impressed yep. with Fulham. So Palace went in two nil, um, and I believe it was on the road as well. Yeah, and there was a lot impressive. of um, there was a lot of anticipation for Fulham. Like they had signed a bunch of new players. They coming up from uh, the Championship. There was there was a lot of expectation around them and to lose to crystal palace two nil. That was uh it's kind of a, kind of a bummer for the beginning of the season, but you know, it is game one. A lot of these things you have to take with a grain of salt. Maybe the team hasn't meshed together enough or anything, but uh, definitely, but I think definitely not what they wanted. Fulham were a little bit unlucky as well. Um, for starters, that game Fulham dominated with like 67% possession. So like they had the ball the whole time. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was crystal palace sneaking two quick ones in. The, you know, I kind of can't help but find myself kind of hating Crystal Palace because Roy Hawkins yeah. is yep. there. Um, they're, they're just, I can't stand Roy Hodgson. Maybe it's a me thing. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, they just seem like that team that just shouldn't be there, like always. And like, why, why is Crystal Palace there? I feel like they're like a League Two side. Right. And one of the biggest things that I kind of – was stuck out to me from this week is it this year so far granted we're a week into it it is the return of the 433 to the premier league something yeah. like 11 teams were using the 433 and uh fulham were one of those teams but united chelsea man city fulham and there were a couple others that were bringing it yeah um, i was actually gonna bring that up when we talk about uh the arsenal game um I think they suffered from playing the 433. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, a surprise for me uh, was definitely the, the did you see the Wolves Everton game? A 2 2 draw. Great game. That's, right. you know, that was great football. Um, it, and you know what? That goal was probably the goal of the week for me. The t- was that the, the free kick? Goal? That free kick was so pretty. Yep. Well, the, and- the tying goal was the, I think it was Jimenez. He had a header. Uh, pretty late in the game, draw 2-2. And then, too, you had uh, Wolves had just come up as well, um, and they were back at their stadium. is called Molinell, and it, it was it was rocking. You know, it was a great atmosphere. Um, I think both teams are pretty pretty evenly, you know, set up against each other. So I, it was a great game. Right. You know, we, we said it last week. We thought that Wolverhampton was the team that put in the most work on the transfer market, most yeah. effective. Not necessarily spending the most amount of money, but – you know, making the wisest investments. I think it paid off. They were helped with a late red red card. That was right. a bit of a red card. That late challenge um, on the breakaway. So he probably would have scored. Anyway, he was gone. He was through on goal. Yeah, yeah. I think otherwise, though, the, the the opening opening weekend of games, I think, kind of played out how we all thought they would. Um, the Man United Leicester City game, like you said, Leicester played probably a little better than most would have thought um man united looked a little shaky but i think they'll be okay um the the pogba penalty that was weird <laughs> i didn't like his run-up what about you yeah he's he's a bit special that one is <laughs> maybe it's a french thing and i just don't understand <laughs> uh, 
Um, He's a world champion. What do we know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I will say, I think, you know, going out on a whim here, Liverpool, they are back. They are here to stay. They looked good uh, beating West Ham 4-0 and kind of in emphatic fashion. Uh, Mo Salah, he didn't seem to be affected by his kind of not so much a poor showing at the World Cup, but a poor showing from his team. Um, he doesn't seem to be affected by that. He looked like he was running on all cylinders. He looked really good, uh, got a goal in him, um, opened his account, and uh, everything's good for him. I did see something about him, though. I think he got, he was, uh, there's a video out there of him texting while driving, which, if you don't know, is like a big no no in England. Um, so he's had to go to the police about that. But I don't think that'll affect anything on the field. Right, and there's a couple of other players at Liverpool that look pretty good. I think uh, Mo Salah kind of stole the, the thunder there, but who was the other gentleman that scored? Uh, you had uh, Sturridge scored late, um, and then Sadio Mane. It's him. Yeah, he had two goals. He's, yeah, he's he looks really good. Yeah. Um, um, and then Liverpool are also playing the 4-3-3. Yeah. Yeah, they were the ones that executed it well. I mean, you could say that West Ham is a poor side anyway, but I think that uh, just Liverpool just looked good. You know, it's right. not, it wasn't like an easy win. They just looked good. At this level, poor sides lose, lose games like 1-0, 2-1, right. 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 um, you know, 1-0, 2-0. But we didn't really see a whole lot of that. Like, I think the boring game of the week was probably Southampton-Burnley. We knew that was going to yeah. happen. Yeah, no, no. Um, it, it was kind of a, a dribble. I think Arsenal-Man City, although it was a good game, I don't think Arsenal are like, I think Arsenal's a little in over their head at this point in time. Yeah, um, I think they, there's a lot kind of going around that. I mean, A, it's, again, it's week one. Um, I think Arsenal will be fine kind of overall. I think they'll still be a top six team. Um, I think they need to play Aaron Ramsey in kind of a looser midfield role. Like I said, they were playing that 4-3-3 and they had him kind of kind of as like the prong of the midfield as opposed to how he is, in my opinion, like he's better when he's like a box-to-box player, when he's allowed to just have a, you know, free roam. He kind of has like a poor touch. So when he's kind of asked to be that person that brings the ball down and distributes, he's not that great at it. Um, I thought Arsenal, they looked a little disorganized. They couldn't pass or like get out of the back. Um, I talk about this with coaches on a regular basis. When you play the... Because they didn't play standard four three three, they played that like Christmas tree four two three yeah. one. Yeah. Aaron Ramsey's position, with a bad touch, his turnover is always putting three against two center backs. Right. Right. So, like the, you turn the ball over there, you're in you're in no man's land. Um, and I completely agree. It's overrated. And to be honest, Ava Young, I can't ever say his name. Ava Mayang. <laughs> Yeah, is not yeah. good enough up top, and no. you got Mesel Ozil out Ozil, wide yeah. on his yeah. own. He, he had like a really bad game too. I thought. I feel like Arsenal just doesn't have. They don't have like a star player anymore. You know what I mean? Like they don't have somebody that just brings brings it every weekend. Arsenal I feel like they're missing that. Have like you could not tweet out Arsenal's lineup because so many characters in these games. <laughs> They got a Greek center back. I don't know if he's Greek. It's an assumption. I apologize, but it's Papa Stathopoulos. Like I can't. <laughs> I think you nailed it. it. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I deserve an Emmy. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I just, it, I don't. I'm not impressed by Arsenal. I think that new coach is going to be an over his head. Peter Cech, if anything, is a saving grace there. Yeah, he is going to keep them in a lot, a lot of games. Um, I think the coach is learning. You know. 
Yeah, I mean, I saw him do uh, a press conference after the game, and like, you know, you obviously like soccer is an international game now. There's people from all across the world that are in these teams, but like his, I don't know what language he's kind of like originating to to try and teach the team things, but his his English you know, was very heavily Spanish influenced. Um, I don't know if he's getting his point across clearly. I don't know if he's meshing with the team. Um, and I think he's kind of learning that the Spanish league, you should have talked about this with Kiko, but the Spanish league is just a different level of play compared to England. England is so much more physical. Um, so I think they, it's just a learning curve, like we said last week. Um, and again, I think they'll be fine. Right. Well, not only that, he opened up against the reigning champs. And yeah. he... And I think Pep made some Pep Guardiola uh, made some really good changes late in the game that kind of really drove it home. His assistant Pep Guardiola has been relying on his assistant coach a lot. And actually, when Sterling was it Sterling scored or Sterling did something, but basically he did like a double touch, a double pass before yeah. Pep, and that was a purposeful adjustment that Pep had made at halftime with his assistant coach because he saw the lack of that. And I think, you know, to be honest, a brand new coach going against the, the reigning champ, a 2-0 yeah, loss. Yeah, it was a tough, tough entry. But, you like, right. said, you know, I, mean, I guess 2-0 is still kind of bad, but it could have been worse for sure. The only thing I will say, the reason I think that the bad score is because Man City are on the road. Like, that was, right, that was at Arsenal. Yeah. So, yeah. Man City, you know, you, you kind of – Basically, the rule of thumb is you played a tie on the road, maybe sneak one away. A 2-0 win on the road is a significant win. Right. We also had, um, the, the, in the Man U game, what's your take first on, on how they played exactly? To be honest, man, I, I can't stand all the crap going on around Man United right now. Right. It's frustrating. It's incredibly, incredibly frustrating. I think a 2-1 win is good enough. And I know a lot of people are like, well, it's, you only beat Leicester 2-1. No. It's three points. It's, you know, positive, granted. And, and then they, concert, they conceded their goal in the 92nd minute, which that, if anything, is the only thing that concerns me. Um, right. I do think, you know, they brought on Fellaini for Pogba in the 84th minute. I think Fellaini taking a PK says a lot about the trust his coach has in him. Yeah. But at the same time, man, like 2-1 win, I'm happy with it. Three points on the board. I think United put out a good squad. Like, they don't yeah. look bad. Um, I am a little nervous about them at the back. I love that they're starting with Marcus Rashford, yeah. Um, yeah. Lexi Sanchez. The 4-3-3, again, was a little concerning for me. Yeah. Only because they put Pogba out wide, but I think they're nervous about Pogba's work ethic. Yeah. Um, Luke Shaw behind him, that also kind of makes me scary. Uh, a little bit scared. I think they left. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah left you got Pogba and Shaw on the right-hand side. Together. Right, like, yeah. just no one's getting back over there. The defense is a little weak. The 4-3-3 suits Fred Pogba. Um, Juan Mata back in the lineup, which is kind of cool. They yeah. put him out. They put him out on the right wing, and, uh, you know, I, I, I've seen this explained in a couple different ways, but a very predominantly one-footed, left-footed player. Right. on the right wing, and that's because you expect them to cut the goal and put it on the left foot. I think um, I think give it a couple of weeks, you're going to see Ashley Young work back into this, this squad. I think uh, Yeah, is, definitely. Definitely. He'll be, he'll be, he's been missed in the defense, I think, and I think right. that will show. And I think you're doing, you know, between him and Valencia, not only that, though, 
you get Valencia back. Maybe you slot Pogba inside or put Pogba, you know, up top. Who knows? Um, he, he is good. I do worry about him turning the ball over, though. Yeah. I mean, this does. coming weekend, you've got uh, you got your favorite team, Man United versus Brighton and Hove Albion on Sunday. Oh, I love it. The scoreboard <laughs> will not be able to contain the name. That's right. What's, uh, what's the word on the Jordy Nation? How, how do you feel about the Tottenham loss? Uh Listen, honestly, I thought that they played actually pretty well. Um, I think it showed, though, that we didn't have a clinical finisher. Um, you had Kennedy, the, the Brazilian player, who, I mean, like my, my grandma could have made the goal that he should have had to tie the game. Literally a clean pass straight into him. Had to take one touch and, you know, slot it in. And he took, like, the heaviest touch he could in the box, and it went straight to the keeper. Um, I think that was just telling of kind of maybe how this season's going to go. Um, but all in all, you know, a 2-1 loss to Tottenham, who are a very, very strong team. It's not too bad. Um, we got Cardiff City coming up early uh, on Saturday, and I think that'll be, like, we have to get the three points out of that. You know, that'll at least get us back to where we probably should be, and that'll be good. Um I don't, not too worried. I think against some of the the top opponents, we're going to struggle to score, though. Right. Did you see? Did you see the other news about Tottenham and their yeah. their, their, yeah. their stadium delay. Yeah, they had to apologize to fans. Uh, their stadium. They said that their stadium delay has been unavoidable. Which my thing is. When you build anything, you should always know that there's going to be a delay. Like whenever you build a house or anything, like there's always a delay. It's, it's just, just the way that things go. It's how construction operates, you know? Someone from their club also said delays are common, certainly for build it, builds of this size and complexity. However, we're hugely frustrated that this has occurred with the systems at such a late stage. Right. Plus, we would have been able to mitigate other areas. We simply cannot comp- uh, compromise safety. Which I get, yeah. But why don't you just start that earlier? Right, just set like a, a really late expectancy day, and like if you make it earlier, you'd be like, "Oh, we made it earlier." I just think Tottenham wanted to play in Wembley. Still, feel like they're right. important. The thing is, though, is if they wait any later, there's going to be a conflict, I believe, between an NFL game that's taking place at Wembley. And uh, one of yeah, there was supposed to be an NFL. I think it was like the Raiders and the Seahawks. They were supposed to be playing at the new uh, Spurs stadium, but now it's going to have to be played at Wembley because the Spurs right. stadium won't be ready in time. Right, right, right. Why would you play a football game on those fields? It destroys the oh, field. God. I can, like, you know. Brand if, new stadium, brand new field. Let's let it go to crap. If anything, Tottenham should so feel better cool. about this because now yeah. they don't have to have their brand new stadium ruined. Right. And, yeah, that's that's always been the struggle. You know, growing up in a school that has soccer and football, you know, that was always the why are we letting football practice on the soccer fields and yep. you know, vice versa, yep. but that's one of those things. Um, and other huge news, man, this morning, you saw it. I think I heard it from you. I think you texted me earlier. Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. Yeah, he's got, um, it looks like some ligament injuries in his knee, and he could be out for like three months. Um, and that's pretty significant. I I mean, for Man City, though, I mean, like they've got such a deep bench, so I think they'll be okay. He didn't start in this week's game. Um, it was Bernardo Silva, and he played pretty well in central midfield. Um, you know, it's never a good time to pick up an injury, but on paper, uh, Man City's got a couple of, you know, not easy, but some 
some fairly winnable games, especially for them. Um, so if this is the time to get an injury, you know, if you're looking for a silver lining as a Man City fan, this is probably the time to have such an injury. Um, they'll definitely miss him, but uh, it's not as bad as it could be. He, um, I'm pretty sure it was the 2015-16 season. The coach with the long hair on his way out blamed his lackluster season on De Bruyne having a knee injury. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm talking about? I think it was the same knee as well. Yeah, uh, in 2016, he missed 12 games. He injured his right knee uh, against Everton. Yeah. I mean, it's never good news when a player picks up an injury that keeps him out for three months. Right. But I will say, right, the promising part of that is it was a major, major knee injury. It wouldn't be three months. It right. It would be tw- Right, like I said, I think I think it's like tweaked ligaments. You know, I mean, something that sounds incredibly painful like a, and it's not great, but uh, it's, it's it could be worse. <laughs> he did not tear his ACL, and fingers crossed for him because we don't wish that on anyone. Right. We will. I would like to revisit the fact that last week we pointed out that we expected to see this out of Man City. You field eleven players in the World Cup. Yeah. Reiner into the tournament. He was playing up at up until three weeks ago, they gave him some time off, like prolonged time off due to his, you know, extended stay at the World Cup. And turns out, yes, he got the whole nation of Belgium free TVs, but... <laughs> He's a winner in their hearts. You don't have the appropriate rest time. And, you know, that is one argument to move that World Cup to, like, the winter winter months and just have it affect the regular season. Right. Because, be frank, we want these athletes at their best. It's not... It's not necessarily fair on them to put that kind of toll on their bodies. They do need last time. I mean, and, I'm going to be completely honest. I have to play without De Bruyne now. So I'm pretty yeah. pumped about that. We'll probably lose like 6 nothing. So it's cool. You know, there's 10 more that played in the World Cup. So hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, it follows suit. I, I don't know, though. I don't wish it on anyone. It, it does. Yeah. I, it's part of the game. But unfortunately, it the World Cup kind of has that toll on him. We talked about Salah earlier looking great. Of course yeah, he, did. he did. He played two games at the World Cup. Like, yeah. He didn't play in the first game. He played in the second and third, and that was the end of that. Um, what was I going to say? Did you see the latest in the Pogba drama going on? It's, no, what's going on? It's amazing. It's not – so I guess i got to put a warning out there. Transfer bullshit. Um, but – they're talking about how Pogba's not the one that's looking to move. We could be seeing seeing uh, Zinedine Zidane approach Man United. And really? there's no way in hell that's going to happen. But I just like reading the headline because it's funny. I, you know, I think to kind of revisit that because that is the talk right now, everyone is saying, well, who would you rather have, a Pogba or a Mourinho? What are yeah. your thoughts, Alex? Uh, honestly, I think that you want to keep Pogba. I think that, like you talked about, uh, like Pogba being out on the left kind of by himself, maybe not the best place for him. And I think that's down to coaching. I think that's the coach's decision to put him out there. Um, yes, Mourinho is a proven winner, and he, you know, his track record is amazing. But I think that once he gets on a team, there's all this, you know, positive energy around him. You know, great, we've got him in. He starts winning games. Everything's good. And then he just sours and he sours really quickly. He sours on the fan base. He sours on the team ownership. He sours on the players. And I think that that creates an environment around the team 
isn't positive at all and it doesn't lead to good things. And whereas I think that Pogba is a proven winner. He's a young player and he's got a lot of potential still. And I think the right person that puts him in the right place, you're going to get what you're paying for for him. And I think that, man, you still haven't seen that out of him. And I think a lot of that has to be is down to how he's being coached. I, I kind of agree and disagree in different ways. For starters, he, I think he earned his pay last year. Like, not not talking jersey sales, but I think he led the league in assists, and he had limited minutes for a good part of the year. Yeah. So, you know, I, to me, that's as valuable as it gets. I do think, you, you know, I, I hear you on the whole, Mourinho can be toxic. And toxicity is not what this club needs right now because the Glazer family are likely to just say, nope, that's enough of that, you're out. Right. But more importantly for me, it's more of like, as a United fan, I don't want to go through the drama of having to wait another two to three years to be competitive while they figure out a coach. Yeah. And the worst woes. And you said it last week, United, it's, it's you know, go, go big or go home. Yep. That is what happens every time you get a new coach. It's worse than a keeper. Yeah. <laughs> it, is. it is. And then, like, the fan base, like I said, they expect. They expect that, you know, it's it's title or bust kind of thing. And right. Look at the, look at the atmosphere in Anfield last year. Yeah. Like, everyone's yeah. frustrated that their brand-new coach isn't winning the title the first year. Yeah. He was crushing it. Like, he was doing yeah. phenomenal. So, like, to a Champions League title. <laughs> and it's so contagious. So, you get sucked into that, and you're frustrated, and you can't stand it. It's a deep, dark world that we would go down if we lose Mourinho. I do think Pogba is a quicker and easier fix, but I think that's a short-term fix for a long-term problem. Yeah. But where did where do you think he goes? I mean, as a French player, like, you know, if you kind of graduated, you could say, out of the French League, where do you want to go after that? I mean, he came from Italy. Honestly, if, if he is that unhappy with the current climate of his club, you could see him somewhere like Arsenal. I was literally just going to say, you could see, I could see him easily going to Arsenal. I think that that right. would be actually like kind it, of a good fit for him. Right. Like, he is good enough to take a team that is on the edge, that fifth and sixth place, and get him into second and third. And I think... I don't. I, I think there's enough. If the relationship is that sour, I think there's enough motive for him to go inside the Premier League and just deal with the fans. You know what I mean? Like I could see someone like him moving to London, living the London life. Love yeah. Um, but at the same but, time, I mean, you're saying like he could get a fifth or sixth team place higher. Well, United finished sixth last year. Why can't he get him higher this time? You know, that's a great point. Like, and to be honest, I think that came down to the relationship with him and his coach. I yeah. think he li- limited his minutes. I think he played him out of position. And I think you saw some lackluster uh, play from Pogba at the World Cup, you know, watching him play. The hustle was there. The heart was there. And I think he really had the, the tenacity to, like, he, I don't know if it was the passion for the coach or the passion for his nation, but... We haven't seen that at Manchester United yet, and that is because there is something going on. And I can tell you, it's definitely not the fan base. It's got to be in-house. Yeah, I totally agree. It's uh, it's interesting, and, and I don't think losing either of them is in the best interest of Man United. Um, uh, personally, like I said, I think that losing uh, Mourinho, for me, would be easier. Uh, it sounds like you kind of maybe think that losing, losing Pogba would be... Um, 
I don't know. Either way, I don't think it's a good a good situation for for Man United to be in, especially if they are trying to push into back into the Champions League spots. Right. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I think um, I think Alexis Sanchez and Fred are two superstars that you can have there. I yeah. Do not, that club is one player away from being a trash seventh or eighth place team. Yeah. Yep. And unfortunately, that means the Haya goes, and it's a whole rebuilding process. Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe, you know, they do say, I have heard that, you know, cities should only have one team, and cities with two powerhouses, eventually one of them kind of fades for quite a long time. Yeah, I mean... I hate for that to be Man United right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember growing up, City used to be, like, absolutely terrible. I don't think they were in the premiership for, like, half the time. Um, yeah. So it's it's interesting. Uh, speaking of, let's go on to next week. Actually, uh, we got Chelsea and Arsenal. I think that's going to be your big standout game next week. That's gonna. I think that's going to be a. It's going to be a benchmark for both of those teams to see how they're going. If Arsenal loses both their first two games against top opposition, I think they're in for a long, long season. Again, I think they'll be fine, but I don't think that they'll be pushing for anything that they maybe are aiming for. Um, Chelsea might be out to prove a point, uh, see if they can, you know, sort of keep up with Liverpool and Man City, uh, try and push for third, maybe a second place. So who are you taking in that one? Uh, honestly, I <laughs> I can see that- this one being like a 1-1 draw. Uh, I yeah. can also see Arsenal maybe eking this out. I really think that they, you know, they've got a point to prove and, if they lose, though, that I think that kind of sets really sets a tone for their season. I don't think that they're going to, you know, push for anything if they lose both those two opening games against two top oppositions. I think they are going to struggle. I, I think they're on the road. It's his first game. It's first off going from a Man City Arsenal game to a derby, like a, a City derby. Right. Away is tough. I think you're going to see a 2 0 win by Chelsea. So that's that's what I'm taking there. Okay. All right. And then, like I said, you got United versus Brighton and Hove, which should be like a 7 0 drudging. Uh, my Newcastle oh. plays Cardiff City. Uh, and then, who does Man City play? Looks Huddersfield. Like, oh, Huddersfield. Nice. Yeah, that'll be, that's just ridiculous. It's not even going to be a real game. You know, man, I'm looking at this Brighton Hove. Uh, Man United game. I, that's one of those games that Manchester United, in particular, would like to talk, like tie right. early on. Right. I could see us giving up a goal in the 85th minute and it being 1-1. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the blowout of the week is going to come from Watford over Burnley. I think Watford are going to bring the heat to Burnley. I think Liverpool will be okay. Uh, West Ham, Bournemouth, no one cares. Oh, I don't know how we have not talked about this yet, Alex. What's up? Yo, our favorite cricketer, Joe Hart, is a goal <laughs> for West Ham. So, like, Love it. You know, he's terrible at cricket, and he got absolutely railed last weekend by the entire Liverpool team. And he is just full force Joe Hart. So, Bournemouth, I like your odds. Out of nowhere. <laughs> uh, so you get Newcastle have a fairly good uh, matchup this week. Yeah, we got um, we got Cardiff, and I think they looked absolutely terrible. I think they were probably one of the worst teams in the Premier League. So you know, we'll probably tie them one one. Um, but realistically, we should be looking to get, like I said, three points on the board, 
put us back in a good spot, get us right in the middle of everything. Uh, and then I think we have Chelsea after that, which we actually usually play Chelsea pretty well. Um, so that, it's that'll at be Newcastle a, too. Yeah. yeah. And that'll be another, like, that'll be a good benchmark for us. You know, we've got two good games in us um, and looking forward to playing, you know, a top opposition um, that could, you know, those are the kind of games that really do. I think, you know, they set the tone. We have, we have Chelsea and then we have Man City. So, you know, and then Arsenal. So we've really got to kind of push to get something from at least two of those games, like a win and a draw from some of those games. Otherwise, it's going to be a long, 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 long season. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? I think uh, this might be the un- unraveling for us. If, it's, if we don't win this weekend, it's all downhill from there. Um, I, I do think you're going to see Everton as well kind of put some goals away this week. Yeah, I think Everton looked actually like really good. Um, I think yeah, that, that was a great game. Like, was- like last week we talked about them maybe pushing to be in the top six and stuff, and I think that it is going to come down to whether like a Chelsea or a Man U, uh, it looks like Arsenal, you know, one of those is going to slip up, and I think it's going to open the door for one of those teams to get in, and I think Everton is probably one of the better equipped teams to do that. Absolutely, and they have the kind of veteran status, if you will, to, to say, all right, we've been here before. We have what it takes to go that extra bit. Right, right, and I think, you know, they've had a little bit of European experience. They've, they've been in that position before. Um, I think that they'll be well-equipped to do that. Uh, speaking of Everton, we've got to move on to the MLS, talk about Wayne Rooney. He Dude. has been absolutely on fire, man. The question of the day, Alex, is Wayne Rooney – that good still or is the mls just absolute trash you know i was actually it was funny somebody i was talking to someone who i didn't know that liked soccer and he was like all about this so everybody has seen the video by now uh of rooney trekking back in like the what 95th 96th minute uh open goal he's a striker after a corner he runs back tackles a guy full on and then runs up with the ball, crosses it, and, you know, crosses it to a teammate, and he scores for the winning goal. Um, it's everything. I think I shared it on Facebook, and I said, if there's any kid out there who's a captain or is, like, looking to see, like, what leadership and hustle is, that is exactly it. Um, but the guy that I was talking to was like, listen, like, it kind of proves a point that the MLS maybe isn't as good as it thinks it is right now because, what, how old is Rudy? Probably in his mid-30s. And he's still out there doing that. The other players in the MLS doing it. So before we go back to that, he he uh, he is thirty two. So like yeah. in theory, in his prime, but he's not. That's come and gone. He um he put the team on his back. Like, this was so fun to watch. Yeah, like, I was hyped, and I was like, "This is great. This is what soccer needs. You need to have this." But I want to point something out that happened in this play that proves that this is an absolute joke of a league. It is 2-2 against Orlando FC. Yep. The keeper is in the goddamn six. <laughs> Why are you pulling your keeper when it's a 2-2 draw? Yeah. And not only that, Orlando FC were playing with 10 men. So they already had the player advantage in the box. Right. And Wayne Rooney's lurking on the edge of the D. Yes. He absolutely destroyed him. Like, that was the best play I've ever seen in Rooney's career. Yep. But I think it's because the league is absolute crap. You had a keeper botch a header. It's turned over. Wayne Rooney does a 60-yard run, closes on this kid, 
and just destroys them. 45-yard run. Beautiful ball. Don't get me wrong. But I need to remind you guys, this is a pack-a-day smoker. Like, this is not a fucking athlete. This Total is cap. someone that is just naturally ch- talented. He is not – like, Wayne Rooney, hands down, is probably my favorite player in a long time. I named my dog after him. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> he is incredible. But he is not this good. Like, Zlatan does this. I kind of anticipate it. Yeah. But, like – no, man. He scored two more goals tonight. And, like, it's phenomenal seeing him do well. It's great for the league. Don't get me wrong. But, no, I don't think he's back. I don't think he's that good. I think he is just the best player on a really, really bad team. You yeah. put that yeah. team in a Champions League. <laughs> you put him in the freaking SBL. The Scottish Premier League has more talent in it, more grit than the MLS. You just saw... English football, someone that's physical, come over and play in a very soft league. Yeah, that's all it is. Yeah, and, and it, it frustrates me. Don't get me wrong; it's fun to watch, but anytime you got to keep her up, you don't care about the game. You're trying to put on a show, and that's what Wayne Rooney did. So, congratulations, MLS. You got your Wayne Rooney, but at the same time, like, what are you really trying to prove? No, and I, and I totally agree. I mean, to be to put it kind of in perspective a little bit too, I mean, you had Rooney out, uh, I think it was with the Washington Post. He said that um, he says he's not on holiday in the MLS. Um, so, you know, he's not taking this as a joke. And I think that a lot of people see like some of these players come over in their thirties, you know, later in their career. And they kind of expect that they're just out there for the paycheck kind of thing. Uh, but to Rooney's credit, you know, he's totally been out there. Um, he's, you know, had to kind of adjust to the MLS life, um, you know, at Man United, Everton, you know, private jet they stay in their own rooms all that kind of stuff with the mls they have uh roommates they have to stay within the hotels you know they fly coach all that kind of stuff and he's you know it kind of humbles you a little bit more but like you said it's pure english grit you know that you're seeing out there and he's not on holiday he's out there to play and like you said he scored two goals against portland um i just watched a video of him like trying to chip a keeper from like 30 yards out. And I think he hit the crossbar almost like he's just, he's out there to play. And I think actually you're seeing him have fun. I think he's, you know, it's kind of like schoolyard Rudy. Like this is where he's kind of in his element and he's looking really good. But the league, <laughs> you're talking about the keeper being up there, uh, you know, on a two, two tie. Why are you up there? You don't have relegation. It's not like it matters. You're still going to be playing in the right. MLS next year. You're not selling tickets because of that. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, I get it. You know, you want to, your team wants to win. That's great. But as you said too, you're a man up already. There's no need for you to be there. You know, there's no need to put yourself in that position. But it's a great highlight. So that's what you're going to get. Dude, let me just list this for you. The MLS right now. First off, I'll come back to that grit in a second because I think that's incredibly important to kind of harp in on. The top two players, I can't really tell you who they are in the MLS. I'm talking just Golden Boot in the MLS. So right now, leading the league, you have Key Kamara with 24 goals, six assists. Um, and then it's Sebastian Giovinco with 22 goals, 13 assists. Third, fourth, fifth players, right? And keep in mind, I think Ibrahimovic was late to the game, so he wouldn't be in this running. But third place is a 36-year-old by the name... Oh, actually, he's older than that. Fourth place... I'll start with fourth place. Bradley Wright Phillips. He's 33 years old, English player. Yep. Okay. 
fifth place. What's his name? I gotta find it now. Fifth place, you got David Villa, thirty-six year old. <laughs> thirty-six is like league in the, leading the league. Yeah, and, dude, in thirty, at the age of thirty-eight, Robbie Keane is in third place. Yeah, I thought that Robbie Keane was like well done with his career. Like I thought he was well done. (laughs) People don't even know who he is anymore. Like he's forgotten. Yeah. And I I wanted to touch on that grit. You got, dude. It was you and me. We were at a Reds game, and was it the Columbus Crew? Uh, uh, I think it might have been Seattle. It whoever it was had a firm. It was and Seattle, remember, they, yeah, because they, yeah. they like, that's kind of their thing. They were walking around with a drum and talking trash. I remember looking at you and being like, dude, could you imagine doing this outside of any stadium in England? And it, it has its perks. You had everyone getting along. But that is not what the sport is about in the rest of the world. And if right. you want to be able to compete at the highest level, you need to get those inner-city kids playing – and you need to get a little bit of gall about you because you got these old men coming over from England, Spain, and the rest of the world dominating your league because it's not as physical. That's right. all it is. You right. get physical with these guys that can't hang. That's why Rooney was moving out. He's getting knocked up, man. And he doesn't have the health. He doesn't take care of himself to be around for the long haul. Yeah. That's why he's over here. Yeah. No, that's that's kind of my gripe with the MLS. Don't get me wrong. There are moments of beauty where you have Wayne Rooney running like 60 yards. I was able to go see in the last couple of years Didier Drogba, uh, Frank Lampard, and Andre Pirlo. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's wait, wait, phenomenal. wait. Lampard, the author? Dude, the famous author. Um, he was doing book signing there and decided to play a game of soccer. It's um, amazing. But, yeah, it's incredible. I was hoping he would do a, a live reading, but I wasn't around. Long <laughs> um, but you, you know how it goes. It is good to watch, don't get me wrong. And, you know, funny enough, you also have Josie Altidore up there, Clint Dempsey's up there. You know what I mean? Like, there are some good players, but this is not the way you want your soccer to be tailored. And it yep. needs to change a little bit. And yep. to, be, to be blunt, it starts with your refing. VAR is all the rage right now over in the MLS. Get out of here. Like, that's no. not what we're looking for. No, they, they've always tried to Americanize everything that they can. And, you know, to a certain extent, you do have to market and tailor your league to the fan base that it's going to get. But I think now that the fan base has seen international soccer, they've seen the World Cup, they've seen, you know, the Premier League is massive over here now. Um, they're seeing what else they can get. And why would you settle for an inferior product if you're not going to get that, you know, over here, you're obviously going to tune in and watch the Premier League or the Spanish League or anything that you can that's just generally better. Um, And I think, you know, I'm a big, you know, I'm going to always promote the fact that there should be relegation. We need to kind of move away from the two conferences. Um, You know, there are teams out there. You just saw Cincinnati is going to get a new team and they kind of, they brought everything up from a grassroots movement in a good couple of years and the, the city kind of embraced it and now they're going to build them a new stadium and they're going to be a MLS team next year, but they're going to just go into an Eastern conference. And again, doesn't matter if they lose, doesn't matter if they win, as long as they make ticket sales and stuff like that, they'll be in the league and it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. And that culture has to change. You know, what is incredibly 
fun to watch right now, and and this is I'm telling you, this is where I've seen a lot of really good soccer, is grassroots level in Michigan. Detroit FC have a huge crowd, and it's like lower level soccer. Yeah, and they're having games against like Ann Arbor FC. They're playing FC Columbus. They're having friendlies against these big teams, and they have some good coaches. I think their coach right now is it Kale Wasserman. Um, is kind of leading the way for them, and they're able to put butts in stand. It is what you want your soccer to be known as. It is like amateur soccer at a professional level, and that is how you got to go. And those people are fighting for a spot, and the fans love them. You get those guys a way to get into the MLS by winning games, you will change the competitive nature of it. And all of a sudden, a tie is something that is wanted. You know what I mean? Like, it makes a draw more... Yeah. worthy so you're not throwing your goalie at them you know like that's a waste right and i have seen a lot um the past couple of years about uh detroit fc they've been uh they have they really like literally built it up from you know nothing um and i think they actually were in contention for this last round of mls teams um i'm not sure why they got picked i think probably again money thing they didn't have a stadium whatever um but they definitely do have a great fan base out there um and definitely deserve some recognition Right, and I think their coach is Kale. Kale coached at SVSU, Saginaw Valley State University. He's a good coach. He's a yeah. fantastic coach. He took a team that was in like the bottom of the Division Two, like I'm talking like in the 200s, to a national championship in a year. It was it was pretty impressive to see. Yep. Man, a lot going on out there. Um, I think it's going to be a great weekend of games, so man. I think it's going to be another great weekend. I mean, I'm going to say that every weekend, so just get used to that. But um, definitely, I think things are going to shake out the next two or three weeks, and I think we're going to see how the Premier League works out then. Right. It's going to be well worth it, I'm telling you. Stay tuned, because we're going to be calling the games, and so far, we're spot on. We said, Man City, we're having some injuries, and look at that. (laughs) Yeah, we're really good at calling out injuries. That's what we've learned. If you learn nothing from this episode, (laughs) we're really good. Jose Marino will pull out his back. (laughs) Calling it. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, all right, guys, if uh, you want to you wanna get in contact with us, you want to tell us what you want to hear about, any teams that you're keeping an eye on or anything like that, hit us up on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash podcast. You can find us there. Um, we're also on anywhere you can find a podcast at. We're on iTunes, Apple, uh, Google, Stitcher, all those kind of things. Um, and we are actually going to be setting up a Twitter again. We are we're out of our legal battle. Um, so we'll, we'll let you know about that. We'll probably post that on Facebook this week. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon. 